section at the beginning. All these and many others have one symptom in common. They cannot start drinking without developing the phenomenon of craving. This phenomenon, as we have suggested, may be the manifestation of an allergy which differentiates these people and sets them apart as a different entity. It has never been by any treatment with which we are familiar permanently eradicated. The only relief we have is to suggest is entire abstinence. Um, our first, I'll just tell you who the speakers are going to be and then ask, would somebody who has a digital watch be willing to time? Thank you. Okay, but you guys, listen. Yeah, and there'll be a uh, five-minute warning, a two-minute warning, and a stop, and I'll, I'll bring them down here. Uh, our first uh, speaker is Sandy J. Um, Sandy will be followed by Michael L., and Michael will be followed by Michelle H. So I'd like to turn it over to Sandy J. Thank you. Good morning. I'm Sandy, and I'm a compulsive overeater and a food addict. And I'm really glad to be here. Allergy of the body, obsession of the mind. You know, when I first got this topic, I was so excited. I said, oh my God, this is something I can really talk about. You know, and, uh, and not only talk about, but something that I live as well. But then, as I started thinking about it, and you know how us compulsive people do when you start thinking, I started getting really kind of nervous, like, how am I going to convince anybody that this is the allergy of the body? I mean, how do you do that? I mean, I have it on an inward sense, but just to talk about it, I don't think I've ever talked about it in detail. So, you know, um, they do say about service, by the way, that if you reach one person, you know, that's one person that you've reached, and that one person might be you. And um, I think a lot of it has been about me so far. <laughs> so anyway, um, I'd like to kind of start by qualifying that I've been in OA since 1985. That um, uh, That's where I started my spiritual recovery, and my physical recovery started in 1996. And since that time, I've been maintaining a 45 to 50 pound weight loss, and I've maintained a 75 to 80 pound weight loss since my youth, since I've been 12. So I've been obese as a child. So today, to stand in a normal body is um, a miracle. It's really a miracle of this program. Um, let's see. So. Allergy of the body, obsession of the mind. And what that really means to me is that when I pick up the first bite, the phenomena of craving begins. When I pick up the first bite. And, you know, I was kind of, of course, looking at the big book and comparing it to AA. And it seems like it's so easy in AA. Now, I, now you alcoholics out there, AA people, you know, don't jump on me after the meeting. But, um, but it just seems like it's so 
easy because you know exactly what the substance is. You know, they say you put the cork in the bottle and that's it. If you're in NA, it's narcotics, you know about cocaine or whatever drug it is, and you stop that. But what do you do in OA? I mean, what is the, what is the substance that you abstain from? And um, I looked up the term allergy, and it said a sensitiveness, a sensitiveness to a substance. And so one of the things that has really helped me is to recognize that the substance that I'm sensitive to is sugar, flour, and then amounts. Sugar, flour, and amounts. And when I pick up these substances specifically, it sets this uncontrollable craving in my body that just does not stop. And I bet you've all heard the stories, you know, compulsive overeaters. I've been in the room long enough to know about some of the war stories of overeating. That uh, it doesn't matter um, what you eat. It doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter whether you're happy, sad, successful, you know, you're a failure. You just eat. You eat. You find a way to eat. And as I was looking at some of the notes and some of reading the the, the um, big book, some of the things that really stood out to me is that our bodies are just as abnormal as our minds. And um, the doctor's opinion, William Silkworth, he said a, a several profound things. He said anyone who does not address the physical component of this addiction, the, the recovery is not complete. And so I started thinking about um, the physical body, our physical body, and I know a little bit about nutrition, and I think about those little fat cells. <laughs> and you know what they say about you know obese people um, is that we have more fat cells than other people, and that these fat cells never go away. They shrink, but they never go away, you know. And I think about that because this disease never goes away. The craving, the compulsion never goes away. The only thing that really arrests this is, one, abstinence, two, a psychic change. So, um, today I want to just talk a little bit more about what that is about for me. What abstinence means for me and what this psychic change is all about. Just to kind of um, go back to some, some of the other things that came up for me during the reading is that um, it talks about the action of food. I, and I, when I read alcohol, I change it to food and, um, you know, food alcoholic to food um, addict and compulsive overeater. But it said the action of alcohol on chronic alcoholics is a manifestation of an allergy. And so I said, well, what's a chronic compulsive overeater? What's a chronic food addict? And for me, a chronic overeater is anyone who weighs more than 50 pounds, 100 pounds, 
200 pounds, 300 pounds, I would classify that as chronic. And so that picking up that first bite for a chronic overeater sets up this motion, sets up, it's like a train on a track that does not have any brakes, and that the craving begins, the phenomenon of craving begins. And another interesting thing that the reading said was it wasn't so much that we were eating for the mental condition. We were eating for the craving, to stop the craving. Now, how crazy is that? To eat to stop the craving. But that's exactly what I did. I ate to stop the craving, and then I craved more, and then I ate more and then I craved more, and then I ate more. I mean, normal people, they crave, they eat, they stop. You know, someone eats a piece of pie, maybe a, a, a bite and leaves it, and I'm looking at it like, what's wrong with them? You know? But the craving, you know, I just it just consumes. And so, the idea that this disease is never, and it's right in the reading, permanently eradicated. They say that the disease is outside, in the parking lot, doing push-ups. <laughs> and I can really attest to that, you know. And the way that I get to handle that is through abstinence and the steps. A psychic change. A psychic change. I'd like to tell you a little bit about my abstinence since I've been abstaining since 96 from sugar and flour. You know, when I first came into um, the program, the idea of abstaining from sugar and flour was like, are they serious? I mean, I mean, isn't that, I'm going to deprive myself of nutrition. That's not even nutritionally correct. I mean, how could you not have flour and sugar? You know, I mean, what's going to happen to my body? And, um, and amounts of food, amounts of food. I weigh and measure all three of my meals. And today I'm more comfortable taking a meal somewhere than actually going to a restaurant. Now, you know, I tell you eight years ago, never. Because my whole life was built around the, the next restaurant that I was going to visit and how much food I can eat. It was built around what event brought me more food and the type of food I'd like to eat. And today, to have the shift that food is just there for nourishment is phenomenal. Now, I'm not saying that it's like that 100%, but most of the time, because of this um, change, the psychic change, and the abstinence this program has given me, that I don't have that craving. Do I have temptation? Yes. You know, but, and sometimes when I go into the coffee shops, you know the coffee shops that have all those lineup of sugar and flour items, and I just pass by them and I look at them, you know. Sometimes I salivate a little bit. <laughs> and then I think about, I'm in a museum, and in a museum you can't touch, you know. And that's exactly what that food is for me. It's beautiful, but I can't touch it. It is not my food. 
because if I pick up the first bite, that's it. It's over. I'm back in the disease. And for those of us who are unable to connect the physical to the mental, you know, the picking up the first bite is a craving. We call that denial. I have a friend that said denial is didn't didn't even know I'm lying. Didn't even know I'm lying. That's denial. Well, the no is K. Well, but you know it's <laughs> And didn't even know. I mean, and today I, you know, my talk is geared to the newcomer. And I know there's some old timers out there, and then I know there's people who are in denial. But this connection between the body and the mind and picking up the first pipe to me is the essence of this whole program. That without getting that on some level, that we are truly addicted. I started out calling myself um, a compulsive overeater and a food addict. But to get the sense that I'm truly addicted to food, to me, relates to the food allergy. It relates to the allergy of the body. So, what then is the change? It says that this can never be permanently eradicated. The compulsion, the craving can never be permanently eradicated, particularly when you pick up the first bite. So, what then is the psychic change? It says only by a psychic change. And this psychic change is through working the steps. And um, the steps have been an incredible journey for me. You know, when I first came into OA, I think, I think the idea of it being a spiritual program was pretty fine because I've had years and years of um, having diets to follow and going to doctors for you know, um, you just go into doctors and then them handing you diets, you know, when you're obese, that's the first thing you do. But to come into OA and start looking at my, what I, my condition as a disease and that the solution is spiritual and the solution is the steps, now that's quite a leap in faith, you know. How do you go about having this psychic change? Well, for me, the way to go about the psychic change is to first admit that I cannot pick up that bite. I have to first know what my substance is that I'm allergic to. You know, I say that I'm allergic to sugar and flour. I often people often see me in my um, in the office and they see my lunch and whatnot and sometimes and they know at parties I don't eat cake and all that stuff and they say well, you know, and I told them I'm allergic. And they said, well, what happened to you? And I say, I blow up. <laughs> and I do. I blow up. I, I have carried over, I've carried 200 and something pounds as a kid. And I know that if I go back into these substances, I could be easily 200 pounds, 300 pounds, you know, 400 pounds. I mean, it's already there in my head. It's already there in my body, the little fat cells waiting just to blow up, you know. So, um, the steps has been my out 
it has been decided. Been, I've had the opportunity to work the steps at least four times in this program since 1996, um, thoroughly from step one to step 12, um, with a group of people who work the steps together and also with a sponsor. And uh, right now, one of the things that I am realizing around this obsession is that not only am I obsessed with food, but I am obsessed with thought. And there's certain thoughts that start triggering that I am wedded to and sets up an obsession. So, you know, they talk about this double-edged sword. They talk about an allergy of the body, an obsession of the mind. And I'm sure the obsession of the mind is all about the food. You know, when you start dieting, and I've had years of dieting, so I know. You know the craving that starts the um, the feeling of um, being deprived? You know, that white-knuckling feeling. I mean, that's all about craving and how easily I'm attached to that. But I also recognize that I'm attached to some other kinds of thoughts. Thoughts around loss of personal power, being a codependent. Uh, thoughts around uh, an attacking self-esteem, you know, that I'm never, there's never enough, that I'm not good enough, you know, thoughts of doubt and fear, that I am connected to that, and that the steps, through working the steps, I get to look at these, and through the grace of God, let go, let go of these thoughts, and through the grace of God, I was able one day at a time to let go of my substances and weigh and measure and be released from this excess fat and, and food. And so I would like just to extend to you uh, this sense of looking at the connection between the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind and to know that it's very, very real and to know that when you put down that bite there is withdrawal I, many of us understand that withdrawal through dieting how irritable we are you know, how unfocused and I know that working with sponsees and also just in my first several days of putting down the food, that sense of loss and withdrawal came in really quickly. And that, again, talks about the body, talks about the allergy of the body. And just to leave with this connection between allergy of the body and obsession of the mind and how real that really is, and that one of the things that you can do today. What I love about a spiritual program is that it could start this very moment. At this very moment, you could be recovering. At this very moment, you're abstinent. At this very moment, you can become willing to work the steps. Thank you. Thank you so much. 
Our next speaker will be Michael L. And, and I hope that he also tells my story. It helps me so much when I'm in a hotel with all these goodies. Good morning, everybody. I'm Michael, Michael Vaughn, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi. Hi, and I want to thank Sandy for setting a tone, nice tone for the morning. Um, I'm like on a little bit of a high, and it certainly can't be the herb tea that I'm drinking. Um, it's just, it's a delight to be a member of Overeaters Anonymous and be here this weekend. Um, I hope that I can share with you a little bit of my experience as opposed to my opinion, because quite frankly, my opinion means diddly. And my opinion can change. You know, you can go out and see a movie and all of a sudden change who you want to see, for, you know, vote for for president, you know, whatever. But my experience, fortunately and unfortunately, is unshakable and unchangeable. There are things in my life that I'd love to be able to go back and say, oh, well, that, that didn't happen. Or, oh, I don't feel that way. But the truth is, it's my experience. And it's mine. And um, so I always hope that the powers that be help me to share my experience. Because that is my truth. Um, I have been coming to Overeaters Anonymous for a little over 18 years. I did celebrate 18 years of abstinence last month. My top weight is about 275 pounds. So I do have some experience with compulsive overeating. But I will tell you this. From day one to sometimes even today, I suffer from terminal uniqueness. <laughs> it may stay in here. It may, that may have been your experience. But you see, I am different. I am different. So that doesn't necessarily apply to me yet. Um, allergy of the body, obsession of the mind. Um, when I first came into the program, I thought that's very nice for you, but I'm different. And um, I love this thing that I would like to read from more about the ism. Um, my sponsor once said, ism actually stands for incredibly short memory. <laughs> if I have the ism, I have an incredibly short memory that tells me that this time it'll be different. Or I try it and I won't remember what happened the last time I did this. And I hope that I have a little bit of time. I'm going to share a little bit about my years early in, in abstinence. But I also want to share about the obsession of the mind and the allergy of the body into abstinence. When you gain weight in abstinence, and it's easy for Michael to say, it's God's will. It's God's will. Definitely. Or have I suffered again from the ism, that I have an incredibly short memory, that I'm trying to control and enjoy my eating, which is the great obsession of every abnormal eater. Which abnormal eaters? Every abnormal eater. That includes me, even who has a terminal uniqueness. This idea of controlling and enjoying, I love that. How do you control and enjoy I could easily do both, but not at the same time. <laughs> to control it, okay, I'm going to have a cup of popcorn. That's control. Now, please, if I mention any foods that you're uncomfortable with, you know, my apologies. One of the things I found very early is you don't have the power to make me eat or not eat. You don't. Because if you do, you'd probably be using it on yourself. 
So, um, there's a great thing in the literature that talks about any scheme of combating compulsive overeating that will shield the compulsive overeater from temptation is doomed to failure. Because the truth is, I have to face those things every day. Every day, I have to face temptation. The wonderful going to the coffee bar and seeing all the wonderful treats. I have to face that every day. So if I can't stay strudel, you know, I mean, that, that, that means that there's something wrong with my spiritual program. That doesn't mean that all of a sudden now I'm all powerful. But I have to develop the muscle of being able to deal with those things on a daily basis. What better um, avenue, what better venue to try that than an Overeaters Anonymous meeting? Anyways, control popcorn. Have a cup. But the thing is, that's not enjoying it. I want more than a cup of popcorn. And, of course, then I can enjoy the popcorn, which is clearly a bucket, you know. (laughs) But it's not controlled. But it's not controlled. So this tells me that that is a great obsession for me, is to control and enjoy my eating. The persistence of this illusion is astonishing. Many pursue it into the gates of insanity or death. So that was my experience before coming into the program. It seemed like each and every time I would say, it's going to be different this time. And I have to believe, now reading some of the literature of Overeaters Anonymous and Alcoholics Anonymous, that my, my downfall was because I'm different. In here, terminal uniqueness may be good. I'm different than other people. It says that. Have been characterized by countless vain attempts to prove that we could eat like other people. How many attempts? Countless. Countless. That I could be different this time. That you could eat a piece of cake. I can eat a piece of cake. That's controlled, but not enjoyed. You know, I don't even want to think about how many times I didn't care what birthday you had. I didn't care what wedding you, who you were marrying. What's the cake? Well, now we're going to go around the room and everyone's going to say what they're grateful for. Back to the cake. (laughs) You know, um, that's abnormal, I think. And it's one of the greatest freedoms that I've actually learned here in Overeaters Anonymous is that I am different. Even though my mind says I'm terminally unique, I'm different. I react differently. One of the greatest freedoms coming to my first OA meetings were that there were other people who felt this way, who did the things I did, who thought the way I did, who would go out and binge their brains out, bring all the food home, not be able to finish it because I'm sick, and throw it all in the trash and say, I'm never eating this again, throwing it into the dumpster and going back upstairs. And then the allergy of the body And the obsession of the mind says, that food is still down there. And you know what? I'm going to go get it. And for me, I'd go down, start to try to fish it out from the dumpster. And God forbid they had, uh, you know, um, emptied the trash. So it was way down in there. You couldn't just take it right off the top. And I remember the night when I went back upstairs, got the mop, went back down to the dumpster and fished those suckers out. I went back upstairs and I had to finish it with the thorough conviction that tomorrow morning 
it'll be different. And the ism would check in and say, it's going to be different when I would do the same thing again and again and again. So I did come into the program and I was, I was relieved that there were other people who felt this way and who did these things. But of course, I had to have some more countless vain attempts to prove that I was different. That's great that you're going to abstain from X, Y, and Z, but I don't need to do that. And the truth is, I remember um, I had um, 46 days of abstinence, and I went out and had one of something. I can't even remember. I was going to go do some controlled uh, abstinent eating. I think it was a muffin. A muffin to me is cake without frosting, you know, just so you know. Uh, I had one of something, and all of a sudden I was off to the races again. I can't even tell you what happened. All I know is I was off, and three hours later I think I passed out. And thank goodness an OA member called me the next day and said, how are you? And I said, you know, not too good. And I got to another meeting. Thank goodness for people who call people. You know, my first sponsor said, don't wait for the newcomers to call you. They're scared. They're terrified. They're not going to call. Get their number and call them and ask them how they are. I've talked to people who eat ice cream while I'm talking to them. <laughs> you know. Um, so I did get to another meet. I did get back to Overeaters Anonymous. And after a couple of more vain attempts, I remember... Um, sitting across the sofa from the person who would eventually be my sponsor and say, I don't, I want this thing. I really do want it, but I don't know how to keep it. You know, that was the thing about last night, for those of you who are there. It's not so much about getting a train ticket and getting on the train. It's available to board at any time. How do you stay on? How do you get from point, from point A to point B without crashing into the obsession of the mind and the allergy of the body? I don't find it easy, particularly in the beginning, at all. We learned that we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were compulsive overeaters. This is the first step in recovery. And I love that because I don't know about you, but at a meeting, when they go, are there any other compulsive overeaters here? At my first meeting, I raised my hand. But the truth is, I didn't fully concede to my innermost self that I was a compulsive overeater. I just raised my hand. Because fully conceding to my innermost self means perhaps I have an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind. And I'm different from my fellows. And it means giving up certain things. I don't know about you, but when I came into Overeaters Anonymous, I didn't want to stop eating. I wanted to be thin. I wanted to be happy. I wanted to have a spouse. I wanted everybody to love me. I wanted a few people killed. You know. <laughs> but I didn't want to stop compulsively overeating, I wanted to continue to enjoy my food, but have the controlled results. And unfortunately, that's not what Overeaters Anonymous offers, they told me. That's a fantasy. If you want that, pay $59 a day, go to Anaheim, and you can live in fantasy land one day at a time. <laughs> Overeaters Anonymous offers a way to live life abstinently. And that's, of course, the big thing for me is, I don't have a food problem, I have a life problem. I always thought food was the solution. It wasn't. So I did have to figure out that there were certain foods in the beginning that seemed to set up the phenomenon of craving. What are those foods? For me, I have to figure it out myself. When they talk about 
rigorously honest with yourself. One of my sponsors said, that's not that they gave you a quarter extra in change and you give the quarter back. That's a name to your innermost self that one piece of pizza just doesn't seem to do it for me. I love something that they said. And, you know, sometimes I do use analogies for Alcoholics Anonymous. Because, you know, everybody talks about, you know, well, alcoholics, they stop this. But what do we stop and this and that. And in the beginning, something that really helped me that I heard was alcoholics don't stop drinking. They stop drinking alcohol. They stop drinking the substance that sets up a phenomenon of craving for them and sets off an obsession of the mind. They still drink orange juice, they still drink soda, they drink water, they drink milk, they drink all these wonderful things. So, so my sponsor said, how can you apply that to you? You're not going to stop eating, but maybe you're going to stop eating the foods that set up a phenomenon of craving, trigger the obsession of the mind, A, B, and C. Some people call them their you know, green, yellow, red foods. Some people call them whatever they, whatever they call them. But for me, I did have to look at that. I looked at my alcoholic foods. Now, have I binged on broccoli? I perhaps have eaten more broccoli in my life. But, but when, I, when, when the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind kicks in, broccoli ain't the thing that I tend to go to. It talks about in this literature about if the, if the compulsive overeater never took that first compulsive bite, we wouldn't have to worry about anything. That's, that's a paraphrase. It doesn't say that. So, you know, the first step for me is always trying to maintain my abstinence. And that, as Sandy had started to mention about, is all about the steps and God and all that. Um, so I did um, come up with some foods that I thought were um, alcoholic foods. Now, my big thing, I don't want to be deprived. What about this thing? I'm not going to eat X, Y, Z. Well, that sucks. That sucks big time. Um, so a couple of tricks, or perceptions, or ways of life, or designs for living. You know, I heard one say, oh, you go to Old Peter's Anonymous, they'll brainwash you. You'll be brainwashed. The truth is, maybe my brain needed a little washing. <laughs> my sponsor said, Michael, my experience is you can eat anything you want in abstinence. Anything as long as you're willing to pay the price. Or a more politically correct phraseology, as long as you're willing to take responsibility for it. You know, I once said, oh, I have to go to work. My sponsor said, actually, you don't. You can choose not to go to work today. You'll have to take the responsibility and pay the consequences of not going to work. But you can choose not to go to work. You can actually choose to rob a bank in Overeaters Anonymous. You'll have to take the responsibility and pay the price. Um, so I can eat anything I want in abstinence, but I have to be willing to take responsibility and pay the price. Well, of course, this is scary, because that's why I love food so much. It made, got me to escape. For me, when I want to compulsively overeat, it's because I want to escape. I want a temporary distraction. It could be a temporary distraction from a long-standing thing. Oh, I have to do my taxes. Ugh. Or it could be a temporary distraction from an easy thing. I need to dust. And the temporary distraction, the obsession of the mind, the allergy of the body tells me I'll just have a little something. And that will temporarily distract me. So I can eat anything I want if I'm willing to pay the price. And the truth is, 
I would probably not take poison from under my sink, put it in a glass, or put it in a blender, turn it on, put it in the freezer, and drink it. I wouldn't do that. So for me, there are certain foods that are like poison for me. If I ingest them, they are poisonous to me. So I don't want to think myself that they don't taste good, because they do. But they're poisonous for me. I could talk a lot about my experience early coming into OA and what my experience was with the alcoholic foods and the red light foods and all that. What I don't want to talk about is a little bit of my experience in abstinence about four years ago, where the obsession of the mind and the allergy of the body tells me I can now eat X, Y, and Z, controlled, and maybe even occasionally enjoying it. Well, that was good. That was really nice. And you know what? The heavens didn't fall. I didn't gain 50 pounds like that. But the obsession of the mind and my ism tells me, okay, now I can do that again. And now I can do that again. I'm about 165 right now. And all of a sudden, I was 30 pounds overweight in abstinence. And it was easy for me to say it was God's will. And obviously it was a lesson I needed to learn. But for me, my experience, my observation of Michael was, it was because I had once again suffered from the ism. My my incredibly short memory told me that it would be different now. And I'm not so sure. I'm going to make a bold statement here. I'm not so sure that God's will for me is to gain 30 pounds in abstinence. I think that might have been Michael's will. So I thought that it was some work to do. God, what do I need to do? I need to go back to what you did in the beginning and realize that, yes, my, my disease is up there doing push-ups. You know, or what the thing they told me is, my disease is at my ATM making withdrawals from my account. And I don't even have the balance. So I have to keep putting deposits in. I have to keep reading, keep working with others, keep talking to newcomers, and keep putting deposits in. Because my disease is making withdrawals all the time. So the truth is, I had to admit to my innermost self that I was a real compulsive overeater at 15 or 16 years of abstinence. And there were still foods that subtly, slowly, cunningly, but persistently worked on my physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being. Sometimes they can be the seemingly most harmless things. And I'm going to say one thing that will probably bring everybody into a tizzy. For me, diet drinks. They don't have any calories, but they are clearly, they set up an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind for me that I have one, and somehow or other, weeks, months later, I'm back up to a liter a day. And I don't think that's God's will for me. I just can't believe that it is. It doesn't mean I'm going to beat myself up, or it doesn't mean either that if that happens, I'm a terrible OAer. But it is a learning experience for me. So in my 16th year of abstinence, I started working with my sponsor more rigorously and honestly and had to go back to 
I need to ask God to help me abstain for that for today. That's the other thing that I so forget in Overeaters Anonymous, and I'm so glad that I can be reminded of it. It's just for today. It's easy. It actually is somewhat easy to abstain for one meal. For me. For one meal, it's, it's kind of easy. Yeah, you can go to the salad bar thing today. Twelve bucks. Probably get an abstinent meal. I'm on the train. But how do I stay on? How do I stand? And the truth is, thank you, God, um, persistently, slowly, willingly, those 30 pounds came off. And um, I don't know if it's God's will for me to be at this way, but I do know that I feel comfortable and I feel free. And I feel that there isn't anything I can come up here and not talk to you about. And that's the greatest freedom in the world. Um... Is there anything else I want to say? I think not. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, Our next speaker is Ms. Michelle H. Thank you, everybody. Before we begin, let's everybody, if, if, if you desire to, stand up and do a little bit of stretching, just kind of get the muscles a little, ah, yes, 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 yes. Now, if you're sitting next to somebody, everybody turn to your right and just give your neighbor a little bit of a job Yeah, Okay, which way is <laughs> okay, enough of you, enough of you. Okay, you guys get way too friendly with each other. <laughs> okay, now now that we all know each other a little bit better. <laughs> I just found out um, right when I entered this room this morning that I was speaking today, so in a purely selfish action, if you all would just kind of send positive energy up this way, so Diane and Gam, I'm being purely selfish about this, um, and not that any of us would know what that's like. Uh, <laughs> um, my name is Michelle, and I am a gratefully abstaining compulsive overeater. Hi, everybody. I always love that, just to get started. I always say I'm a gratefully abstaining compulsive overeater because I am not grateful to be a compulsive overeater. I hate this disease. I hate the fact that I have to learn every day that I am a compulsive overeater and that if I don't watch what I do, I'm going to go right back into that compulsion. I've been, and I also, let me say this about qualification. I think it's very important, anytime you pitch at a meeting, uh, anytime you share for a little bit, I think it's very important, especially for those newcomers, to qualify because they don't know that you've lost all that weight. They just come in seeing uh, people of all shapes and sizes, and they don't know if this program works or not. That's for the physical recovery. Um, So I think it's very important to qualify. I've been in program for six years. And I am uh, maintaining, well, maintaining and hopefully, if God's willing, losing uh, another 30 pounds, but maintaining a 55-pound weight loss. Um, 
And I don't know about you folks, but from day one, I had this program down pat. Just, I mean, I knew coming into this program that this, this, that this was for me, but I knew how to do it. That's why I wasn't abstaining until three years later. Yeah. Now, if I wanted to do everything my way, of course I didn't have to do those steps because, you know, well, the first three are easy. Yeah, 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 I've been there, done that, and I want to, you know, I, I have a higher power. I never had to deal with the whole God thing or the whole higher power thing. I, you know, was very spiritual, and, um, you know, I knew, a lot, I knew a lot about nutrition. I majored in nutrition in, in college and, uh, you know, just, just had been on every single diet that there was out there from, you know, Weight Watchers, Jenny Craig, the shots, the fasting, the opti-fasting, the, you know, hypnosis even, which, you know, was, was interesting for something other than Weight Watch, but that's beside the point. <laughs> and I also want to say right here, like Michael pointed out before, um, this is strictly my opinion and my experience, that, and, and we all know that my opinion doesn't mean a thing. So, you know, I'm just coming at this from my viewpoint and uh, my experience, strength, and hope. Um, and again, you know, for the first three years, I tried to do things my way. And then I got to the point of being so desperate one evening that I literally just got down on my knees and said, God, I can't do this. I cannot, with all this wonderful knowledge that I have, with all this nutritional background that I have, I cannot do this. And from that day on, I was abstinent, not perfect. But abstinence, um, and that's, that's basically what it took for me. Now, to kind of fast forward a little bit and to bring this a little bit uh, more up-to-date and in line with what we're actually here to talk about, um, I, I don't know about you, but I never thought that I had food allergies. I thought to be allergic to something, you had to, like, your throat closed up, you know, your whole body swelled up. Well, that I did plenty of. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, that you come close to dying. You can't catch your breath, you know. And I, I found out much later on that that is not the case. Um, and I, I truly believe that most of us sitting in these rooms and that most of us out there that don't know it yet have a chemical imbalance to certain types of foods. And I'm finding very recently for me that it's not only the things that I know that I need to stay away from, but it's also some very healthy items that can trip me up and set me off into a binge like there's no tomorrow, and in some cases there may not be. And that's what I have to live with on a day-to-day basis. I also have to live with the fact that because of this disease, my body has gone through a lot of changes and has experienced things that a normal body hasn't, and that I, you'll never see me wear a short sleeve blouse, or I should say a no sleeve blouse. Short sleeve blouses like this are fine because I have the markings of this disease on my upper arm. I also have them on my thighs, I have them on my rear, I have them on my hips, and that's something that I have to live with. And like Sandy said, you know, the, the fat cells never go away. They shrink, but once they're there, they're there for life. And I love that analogy about that being part of the disease, too. The, the disease is there for life. And my brain will tell me that that's not the case. My brain says, you've got this down now. You can experiment with things. You can eat this and have that and, you know, go do this and snack a little bit on this. And that trips me up every single time. And my sponsor and I talk about this on a daily basis. 
I am continually amazed to find out that I am a compulsive overeater. You know, it's like, why don't I remember when I am eating correctly and eating those foods that I know are healthy for me and won't cause a full-on binge, why don't I remember what this feels like? Nothing feels as good as abstaining. Nothing. Not that piece of chocolate, not that cake, nothing. But at the time, I convinced myself that it does. I convinced myself that food is my friend, food is my lover, food is going to take care of me no matter what I do, and I literally convinced myself into believing that and end up miserable, absolutely miserable. There is, you know, and the the sad thing about it is, um, after being in OA, Binges aren't fun anymore. <laughs> binges are never the same. I know what I'm doing to myself. I know how I'm going to feel at the other end. Um, but I, uh, lately I've been discovered, and I had the good fortune of working with an allergist because they, they got so bad. And I thought it was outside influences. I thought it was, you know, sinus problems, hay fever, things like this. Um, and I thought that that most, mostly outside influences were what affected me. Uh, and then finding out that most of my allergy problems, most of my sinus conditions, most of the way I feel, whether it be depressed, exhausted, whatever, come from the foods that I'm eating. And like I said, not necessarily things that you would normally suspect as being the culprit for a binge. I found out that I was eating a spinach salad every day. Perfectly fine, a wonderful, healthy eating plan. And I found out that spinach is one of the things that I am unbelievably allergic to. That's what really ticked me off. I mean, you know, it's like, it's one thing to know that you're allergic to flour. It's another thing to know that you're allergic to something that's really healthy for you. It's like, oh, come on. um, I did find out that sugar and any product with gluten in it, which includes most grains with the exception of rice, does me in. Absolutely does me in. Gluten almost more than the sugar does. And, you know, you try going out, eating even in a restaurant without something with gluten in it. And that includes, for me, it includes um, oatmeal as well. And oatmeal was a daily part of, of my eating plan there for a while. But once I did find out about these allergies and how they affected the obsession of the mind, it all began to click in place. And these days, I am devouring, and because that's what I do best, <laughs> I am devouring the doctor's opinion of the big book. It's like everything that, that the good doctor says just reigns true for me. And it truly is an allergy that causes this obsession of the mind and just gets me snowballing into a place that I don't want to be. And last night was a perfect example. Uh, we went out to dinner before the, the um, uh, opening ceremony started. And I had something that I hadn't had in a long time. Perfectly, you know, abstaining meal. That it was on my, well, kind of on my food plan, but I knew this soup had cream in it. And dairy products are something that I need to stay away from, especially something that thick. And I thought, oh. You know, you've been doing so good all day. You know, you've been eating wonderful, healthy meals and, and things. No problem. Just go ahead and have that soup. 
And I got so sick during the opening ceremonies I had to leave before the play was done, which, again, kicked me off because I was enjoying that play at no end. <laughs> but, and I knew it. I knew it as I was ordering it. Something was telling me, don't do this. And I tripped myself up again. Fortunately, today I'm back on track, and if I make it through the end of the day, I will have two and a half years of abstinence. So that, thank you, thank you. Uh, okay, that. <laughs> um, I I can't tell you how glad I am to have the knowledge that I do about nutrition with the allergy testing that I've done to see exactly what triggers me off with program combined. I, I really feel very, very fortunate, and I talk to my allergist about program all the time. That's, I think I've got her converted. <laughs> there is a person in my life, well, I should take that back. The people that I feel safe with, safe with know that I'm in OA, and they know what OA has done for me. But my friends at work, my friends, my family is all big OA supporters, even though they may not know what the program's all about. They know what it's done for me. And the other day when my sister and I were out for dinner and I was going through a particularly terrible time at work, and I was ranting and raving and going on and on and on, and I said, you know, I think I'll have this. Yes, and she said, have you been to a meeting lately? <laughs> it's like, no, but I'm going tonight. Okay, I won't have that. All right. <laughs> so she's one of my biggest supporters, even though she's not part of OA. Um, and it's, it's just been a wonderful experience. Without this, without this group, without you folks, uh, without the steps, um, I, I, I don't think I'd be around today. I honestly don't. You know, I know a lot of us say that OA has saved our lives, but at the rate that I was going, at 250 pounds, at high blood pressure, at, you know, total, I mean, blood tests were just off the scales, uh, pains in my joints, uh, just not liking myself at all, uh, and hating getting up and getting out of bed in the morning. Without this program, I would not have what I have today, which is an abstaining lifestyle, a good sound eating plan, and a higher power that I am getting, beginning to know more and more every day. Um, and that's been another thing since program. You know, I thought it was, I thought I knew what spiritual awakening was all about. I didn't have a clue. <laughs> Just didn't have a clue. And I'm finding out more and more today, especially through meditation. Uh, just how wonderful my higher power is and how much he loves me. Absolutely adores me, thinks that I'm the greatest thing in the world. And, you know, this is something that I tell myself in the mirror every morning, that I am getting better physically, spiritually, and emotionally through OA. Um, uh, the other thing that this program has given me is relationships that I never thought I could have. Not only with you, but with my family, with my staff at work. Um, and I haven't quite got the male-female thing down yet. <laughs> but I'm learning that I find myself in a situation that I have avoided for the past three years. 
and I am being trying to be very patient with myself while I'm learning this part of the program too and it's all in God's time that's my higher power um, but it it is all in God's time and I'm finding that no matter how much I want to rush things no matter how impatient I get and God am I impatient <laughs> I wanted everything yesterday um, it is all in my higher power's time and as Somebody said when I first walked in the door, when the patient is willing, or when the patient is ready, the teacher will appear. Or when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. I'll get that. <laughs> and and my, that my teachers keep appearing. And I'm just I'm just so grateful for it. Anyway, I think that's about all I've got to say, and I just want to thank you so much. This was definitely what I needed this weekend. Thank you, everybody, so much. Let's give them another hand. This meeting is now open for three-minute pitches. Please limit your sharing to three minutes only and confine your share to your experience, strengths, and hopes, specifically on today's topic, which is the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind. Also, uh, participants must sign a tape release form uh, because we are being taped and you know the tapes will be sold. And there are, there's a standard tape release form that I don't see here, so I made a little form that says that what the session is and that you agree to be taped. And if we line up over here for people who'd like to speak, please sign the, um, I'll just leave this right down here, and please sign it before you actually speak. I will um, let people know when their three minutes have expired, probably by just a little tap on the, the leg. And we'll, we'll, we'll stop our uh, sharing at about 9.44 because we have to be done at 9.45. Thank you. Meeting is now open. Good morning. I'm Camille. I'm a recovering compulsive overeater. Hi, Thank you so much for all the wisdom that you gave us. Um, um, as I sit here today, all I can think about is how serious this illness is for me. And um, the mop story I probably will never forget. And what my sponsor always told me was to remember that my forehead is like a, um, a tape and to insert my tape in and take my story all the way to the end before I make my choices. And my end was pretty miserable. And um, the phenomena of craving exists for me even today, and I've been in program for like 11 years. And, um, and I continue to put that tape in before I make that choice. And um, each and every meal for me, it is a choice. And what I crave is more. It's really that simple. I want more of everything. Um, yeah, I don't eat sugar because that's absolutely deadly for me. But I want more broccoli. I mean, it's really, I do. I just, I want more of everything. So at home, I weigh and measure. Um, I make commitments to my sponsor. Um, but I know that one day at a time, if I'm not abstinent, I don't have a life. And the way it looks for me was I go up 25 pounds in three weeks, and I go down 25 pounds in the next three weeks. 
I don't understand people who gain 30 pounds over a year. I just, I think that's a miracle person. I put that in my miracle book because that's not the way this disease was for me. And um, my disease affects the way I think every single day of my life. And I choose today to have integrity and clarity. And um, I'm willing to be abstinent because I want that so much because I lived without that so much in my life. And um, I'm just so grateful for everybody who shows up here to do service, to support each other, and, and be in OA. Thanks. I'm Kim Tetlow. I'm a recovering compulsive eater. Hi, Kim. And, um, I was thrilled with this subject because I have I have an agenda. I'll be real clear. This is a pitch. Uh, OA's literature says there are we, we cover in three areas. I even heard the last speaker talk about emotionally, spiritually, and physically. And that's leaving out mental, or maybe mental and emotional are together. When you read AA's literature, what you hear is there's an obsession of the mind, allergy of the body, obsession of the mind, and then you're going to get spiritual recovery. So they talk mental and they don't talk emotional usually. You know, they kind of leave that out. So both of these, and I think it's partly the difference between men and women in our culture. Men tending to be more intellectual, focused on, and let's, you know, stroke them for being... Uh, being logical and thinking things out, and women being more emotional. And let's face it, the two different sexes founded the two different programs. Where I'm coming from is there's really four aspects to our disease, and there's four aspects we have to work on in recovery. And that is mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual. And just like a three-legged stool will bend and fall, and a four-legged chair is solid, I'm, I'm wanting and, and encouraging people to be thinking more and more about the mental obsession and about the difference between feelings and thoughts, emotions and, you know, mental discussion, analysis, that kind of thing, because I think, um, I think it will expand and enrich our program. And, um, and so I'm doing a lot in that area personally, you know, because when I came in, I was confused about feelings and thoughts. <laughs> You know, one minute I'm saying, I feel like you hate me. And my therapist is saying, that's not a feeling, Kim. And I'm like, what do you mean? Of course that's a feeling. I know, I just said, I feel. And no, no, no. <laughs> what you're feeling is rejection at that point, or sad, or hurt, or something. And so it took me a long time to get over that. And then my husband was in the place who was saying, um, thoughts as feelings. I think this is a really bad thing to do. And I got it that he was feeling bad about something because he was saying the bad part. But he was always saying it as I think. And I said, so I said, oh, so you're feeling bad about that. No, no, I don't feel bad about that. I think it's a bad thing to do, he would say. It was very emphatic on it. Again, it's that confusion that I think our culture sort of encourages to do. So anyway, my pitch is for, and I encourage each of you to think about this, maybe talk to me about it, of how we can uh, together maybe work on expanding our program to to work on this area of the mental obsession uh, because I think it will expand and enrich our recovery together. Thank you. I 
I'm Lydia, compulsive overeater. And um, I am so grateful for this. I have been waiting for this particular workshop uh, for months. <laughs> Ever since I first found that it was on the schedule. And one of the things that uh, really amazed me when I first came into the program was the fact that I mean, I knew some friends of mine that had food allergies, and I knew what it did to them. And the the concept of having an allergy, um, and when I first listened to the Joe and Charlie tapes and I heard it first talked about, I thought, oh, wow, okay, that's a new concept. But it takes me a lot longer to get it. I, I, I'm always that way. Um, and just hearing people talk about it and having three different perspectives on it and the, the different things that they shared really helped me and um, it brought me back to a scenario where I was at, I went to a fair a county fair where they have all these food booths you know and this was before OA but I can remember thinking to myself you know when I was thinking well I'm going to have lunch right you know so you have to pick which one you're going to go to well for me, it was pick which one I'm going to go to with this friend, and then when I go and walk around with this other friend, then, you know, I'll have another lunch. And I could never be satisfied with whatever I picked, even though I was very careful to pick the thing that I wanted the most, that would satisfy me the most. And it dawned on me while I was listening to these folks up here talking about the allergy, it dawned on me, it wasn't that what I picked wasn't good, it's that it wasn't enough. And that it wasn't satisfying, not because it didn't taste the way I expected it to taste. It's that after that last bite, I wasn't satisfied. And it was a lack of satisfaction. And that clicked in me what listening to Joe and Charlie kind of planted the seed and listening to these folks up here um, has really helped me realize that, yes, I too. I mean, I knew I had it, but... I, I, I didn't relate to it until today, and I'm really, really grateful. Two things that I learned up here that um, I've been learning, but, you know, sometimes when I go to meetings and I hear people say it, it makes that connection, and I heard two things that are just wonderful for me today. One of them, thank you, Michael, when you said, I don't have a food problem, I have a life problem. And I've been through step four and five, and when I gave step five away and took responsibility for my actions, uh, that was really difficult because then you have to realize that it is me. It is a life problem. But I have the tools to, to work with that today um, and the, the steps. And thank you, Michael, for saying that. That really was a breakthrough. Um, and then also I love what, what you said, Sandy, about the spiritual aspect of the program. We don't need to wait till lunchtime to be abstinent. We can be abstinent right now working the steps and in our spiritual program. And I just want to thank you guys for speaking this wonderful. Hi, I'm Judy. I'm a compulsive overeater. And I'm real grateful. I, I have an amends to make to, um, I believe it's Michelle. Michelle? Yeah. Um, I went out to go get some caffeine and I kind of like stopped by, saw a few friends, and when I came back, it's like, oh, they're sharing already. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, so I'm sorry to have missed the last speaker, thank God for tapes. Um, I'm real grateful for this topic because this, this is addressed um, to me for, oh, I don't know if it was the first time, but the first time it really sunk in for me. 
was I had been at a, at a retreat in um, Santa Cruz, Capitola area. And um, I am at a point now, you know, I've heard it now with the physical, spiritual, and, and um, emotional. And I've had recently had some weight release, and I'm, you know, I'm frightened. I, you know, there's something called goal weight. I made it, and there was no ticker tape parade. There was, um, I didn't magically change overnight. And this is, I'm someone who's been in these rooms for 15 years, so I'm aware of, you know, all of this, and yet um, I'm still kind of floored. And I need to keep hearing about this program, you know, weight being a life problem. Thin is not um, well. Um, you know, weight loss is, is simply a, a fringe benefit of this program. And I need to sort of learn to sit in this and um, and know that it, and I think the irritating thing for me is, um, you know, I, I think I'm dealing with the allergy of the body stuff, but the obsession of the mind is just huge. It's huge. And I need this program more than ever right now. I need it for the spiritual. I need to be reminded, you know, so the pride bubble doesn't go floating away like a hot air balloon. And, um, you know, it's, it's, I'm the same person, smaller size, but the same head. And I knew that when I was a teenager when I got thin, and I know that now. Um, but today it's different because I have this program. And I just want to make a pitch for a, a relatively new piece of literature. There is a pamphlet called Maintaining a Healthy Weight. And that was really comforting to me. I really enjoyed it. And, uh, and uh, I feel guilty being up here talking about this. I'm so used to talking about I'm binging, I'm relapsing, I'm not doing well, I'm getting fat, I'm scared. I've, I haven't been at this end um, since I've been in program. So I, um, I really appreciate the big book so much more right now for talking about the obsession of the mind. So thanks. Hi, I'm Kathy. I'm a compulsive overeater. I'm a little nervous talking to you, but I, my higher power is calling me to get up here um, and share a little bit of my story with OA. Um, I came into OA three years ago and um, played around with my program, was refusing to admit that I had an allergy of the body. And I did that for about a year and a half before I finally found abstinence, and I abstained from sugar and white flour. And I've been doing that for a year and a half, and I'm maintaining a 110-pound weight release. And so, and I found in my program that until I dealt with the allergy of my body, there was no way to deal with the obsession of my mind. Um, I didn't work the steps that first year and a half. I didn't want to bother a sponsor. You know, I was. I'd go to meetings, and each week I'd talk about, okay, this is what I'm going to do this week, and then the next week I'd show up, and the same people were there, and I'd say, well, this is what I'm going to do this week. And um, So for me, it was extremely important to identify those substances that I am really allergic to. And, um, and it's just by the grace of God and my sponsor, God is my higher power, um, that I found abstinence. And I've been able to pass it on to some others, too. And it's, um, 
So my pitch really is to keep coming back. If you're not ready to admit that you have the allergy of the body or you're not ready to deal with it, keep coming back to these rooms because it'll come to you and that we all care about each and every one of you. And and the support is there, you know. You can't force somebody to take it until they're ready, And but if they keep coming back, it works. So thanks. It's now time to close the session. Let's all stand where we're sitting. That doesn't make sense. Stand in place. Thank you so much. A hand for our timer. Grab the hand of the person next to you and let's uh, close by saying the unity prayer. I put my hand in yours and together we can do what we can never do alone. No longer is there a sense of hopelessness. No longer must we each depend upon our own unsteady willpower. We are all together now, reaching out our hands for our power and strength and as we join him, we find love and understanding beyond our wildest dreams.